So how would you respond to the question if I asked you, what was your best day ever? I, I'm in the process of, uh, of doing my inventory as I go through the steps of Celebrate Recovery. And if you're not familiar with what an inventory is, it's basically a look back at your uh, entire life and you, you write down um, all of the hurt that you've caused others and the hurt that's been done to you and then also all of the good things that has happened to you as well. And, and as I've been doing that, I've kind of wrestled with this question, like what has been my best day ever? And, and I started kind of looking at some of my past experiences, uh, especially some recent experiences, but like I, I'm a huge uh, baseball fan and particularly a Red Sox fan in fact so big that our dog's name is Fenway and, and I remember the first time that our family was able to go to Fenway Park to actually see a game live and it was awesome it was an incredible experience it was like a dream come true to see all of the history to see the the green monster to stand up with 30,000 other people and sing Sweet Caroline bump 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 you know I mean it was just amazing that was a good day but it wasn't my best day. And then just about a year ago, about this time, our entire family um, was able to go up to Acadia National Park up in Maine for a vacation that we planned to do at the beginning of the pandemic, but unfortunately we had to push off for a couple of years. And as part of that time, while we were in Acadia, we went to Mount Cadillac. And if you're not familiar with the significance of that, it is the first place that you're able to witness the sunrise in the United States and we did that and it was amazing it was beyond my expectations and pictures can't capture it it was absolutely beautiful and then afterwards we went down and we had blueberry pancakes together I mean that was a good day but that was not my best day so then I started thinking about my family and I was thinking specifically about the birth of my kids. And if you don't know my story, um, my wife and I, we struggled with infertility for a long uh, period of time. And then we decided to pursue adoption. And we had an open adoption. And my oldest son's birth mother uh, called us when she was on the way to the hospital. We stood outside of the hospital room. As he was being born, we heard the first cries. And then we were welcomed into that room where she handed our son to us and said, here is your son. And then shortly after that, God decided to like turn things upside down with what the doctors had told us. And all of a sudden my wife was able to have children. And then our next three kids, I was in the delivery room for all three and heard those first cries. And those were great days, but those were not my best day. And then I began to think about the fact that uh, just a, about 18 months ago, over the span of about eight months, my three sons decided it would be a good idea to get married, each of them. And uh, I was able to officiate their weddings, and, and the best part was I was able to welcome three new daughters into our family. And those were great days, but those were not my best day. And, and then... Shortly thereafter, my granddaughter was born, and that was a great day, but that was not my best day. And then I thought about my closest relationship here on this earth with my wife, Wendy, and I thought about the day that I finally worked up the courage to ask her out, 
And the only reason that I did build up that courage is because I found out that she liked me. That was a great day, but it was not my best day. And then later when I proposed to her and she said yes, and then she asked me, hey, did uh, you ask my dad? And I said, nope, better to ask uh, forgiveness and permission. That, that was a great day, but that was not my best day. And even when we got married and we said, I do to one another, that was a great day, but that was not my best day. So, so what was my best day? Actually, my best day happened way before I was born. In fact, it happened just about 2,000 years ago. And, and it happened after perhaps the worst Friday ever. Because on that Friday, God himself in the person of Jesus did something so amazing that it changed everything. On that Friday, one of the people who had been following Jesus, one of the men that he had asked to follow him for three years, basically sold him out for a bag of silver. On that Friday, 11 other men who had been following him for three years, once he was arrested, just kind of abandoned him. On that Friday, one of his closest friends denied that he even knew him. On that Friday, Jesus, who was who lived a perfect life, who was unjustly tried and mocked and beaten and whipped and crucified on a Roman cross. On that Friday, Jesus put, him, put on himself the sin of the world, my sin and your sin, and willingly died the death that we deserved. He paid the price for our sin the innocent for the guilty. And on that Friday, those who followed him for three years lost hope that he really was the Christ, that he was the Messiah. Can you imagine what that moment, that Friday, would have been like for them? The disappointment, the disillusionment, the discouragement that they must have faced. In that moment, the people who knew him best, who had followed him for three years, who had heard the things that he taught, had seen the things that he did, suddenly no longer believed that he really was who he said he was. He's dead. And they think that he's going to stay dead. I mean, can you imagine what they're thinking? Like, what's next? Like, what's going to happen to us? Like, how do we go back to our lives and pick up the pieces of where we left off? Where do we go from here? And if, it, if that had been the end, if that was the end of the story, this movement that Jesus had started would have died with him. Why is that true? Because 
Jesus didn't leave any room for anything else because this whole thing was about who Jesus said he was, that he was the Son of God, that he was the Messiah, that he was the resurrection and the life, and that, that he was the way to the Father. And now he's dead. But fortunately, it's not the end. And the best day would be that Sunday. And this is where we pick up with the passage that Pedro read. I want to read it again together. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 9, it says this. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and, and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes as white as the snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. They just passed out. <laughs> but the angels said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Why were these women going to the tomb. I can tell you why they weren't going to the tomb. They weren't going to the tomb to sit there and watch Jesus raised from the dead. They, didn't, they weren't trying to be the first on the scene to see the resurrection. This wasn't about anticipation. This was about dread. In many ways, they were going to have to relive the horrors of that Friday as they were going to have to interact with his body to prepare it, to properly prepare it for burial because they weren't able to do so on that Friday. They were going to have to experience the broken body and the beaten body of Christ again. These women were coming to say their final goodbyes, to do the final burial and to go on with their lives. And then, I love and then, and then they feel the earth move. And then they see the angel. And then they see the stone has been rolled away. And they hear this incredible news. And that would have been quite a morning just in and of itself. But then they see the risen Jesus. And that changes everything. He's risen from the dead and he is alive. So why is this the best day ever? It's simply this. All of history hinges on this single event. Why is this the best day? Because the resurrection demonstrates 
that Jesus is exactly who he said he is. Through his resurrection, Jesus validates that he is indeed the Son of God, that he is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, that everything that he claimed about himself was true, and everything he showed us of how to live, everything he taught us about how to live is true. In fact, if there was no resurrection, we would not be here this morning. Because seeing a resurrected Jesus causes his followers to once again believe that he is the Christ, that he really is the Messiah. And everywhere they would go, they would spread the good news about this resurrected Jesus. That was their message. That was the gospel. It's the best day because through the resurrection, the consequence of sin, which is death, has been defeated. Jesus conquered death. And he conquered not just physical death, but he conquered spiritual death, which is a separation from God because that's what sin has done. It's separated us from God. And now we have the opportunity to be made alive now, to experience life now. When we say, we say this frequently, that Jesus didn't come to die on a cross and raise from the dead in order to make bad people good. He came in order to make spiritually dead people alive because it connects us back to God himself, the author of life. Believing in Jesus, putting your faith in Jesus, putting your trust in Jesus and following him isn't just about punching a ticket to heaven. If that's all you think it is, you've missed it. It's about being able to experience life now with God. It's being able to experience the freedom from the bondage of sin now. It's being able to have this incredible peace and hope now. And the best part of it is he gives us a brand new identity. We're no longer defined by our sin. We're no longer defined by all of the different labels that maybe we've carried around with ourselves. We are identified because now we are his sons and we are his daughters. We are the children of the king. It's the best day because the resurrection gives us hope that there is life beyond this life. An eternal life with God we no longer have to fear death. Did you get that? We don't have to fear death. We, when we lose people that we love, when people die that we love and they know Jesus, they've given their lives to Jesus, we don't have to say goodbye. We simply have to say, we'll see you later. That's incredible. When our eyes are open to what Jesus has done for us through the death and resurrection, all we can do is respond. And the truth of the matter is, everybody responds in one of two ways. Either they just walk away, or they accept Jesus for who he is. That he is the way, that he is the truth, that he is the life, that life can only be found 
in Him, that our reconciliation with the Father can only be found in Him. And we can put our faith and we can put our trust and we can put our hope in Him. There's a story in the Old Testament, kind of a weird story, in 2 Kings. And what is happening in that story is there's a city in, uh, in Israel um, called Samaria. And a foreign um, power had come, a foreign king had come in and surrounded the city of Samaria. And, was, and as was common in those days with walled cities where uh, armies would not want to sacrifice a lot of people, um, they would basically surround and lay siege to the city in an effort to try to, to try to choke the city out or try to starve the city out. And that's what was happening here. And, and it was working. In fact, if you read the details of the story, it's kind of gruesome as to what was happening within the city for them to survive. But, but the, the story then focuses in on these four lepers who are actually kind of caught in the in-between. They're not in the city because they're lepers. They've been forced out of the city, and they're outside the city gates, but they're also... Uh, there's also this army that's surrounding us. So they're kind of in this in-between place. And they get to the point, and they just say, you know what? Um, we're starving to death here, so we're going to die anyway. So either we can go into the city and be killed, or we can go out to this army and hopefully they'll give us mercy. They'll show us mercy. And if they kill us, we're going to die anyway. So they decide to go out to this foreign army. What they don't know while they're on their way out is that that night before, God had... Uh, had, had created a noise that sounded like an approaching army with chariots that basically scared this entire army to just basically drop everything and leave and flee. And so these lepers come upon this encampment and there's food everywhere and there's provisions everywhere and there's riches everywhere. And so once they've stuffed themselves and they've lined their pockets and gone and hid the stuff and they come back for a second round, they begin to talk amongst themselves and how wrong it is for them to, to feast on this without, with, when they know there's an entire city that's starving. The reason that I share this story with you this morning is because I'm one of these lovers. I've found this incredible source of life. And I've, my life goal, my task, what I believe I've been called to is share with as many starving people as I possibly can about this amazing person named Jesus who brings us life now. Life with the Father now. And my hope and prayer is always this, that if you don't know him, that you would come to know him. Because my life has been transformed by him. I will never be the same. He is my source of life. He is my source of hope. He is my source of strength. He has given me a new identity. I am no longer defined by all those things that I used to be defined by. And my hope is that you too will be able to say that the resurrection day was the best day ever. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Wow, what an incredible gift he is. Thank you for the sacrifice that you have made for us, that you have taken away our sin, that you have forgiven us by 
what Jesus has done for us on the cross, and you've forgiven us so much. Father, that you've offered us this amazing gift of life with you now, and that you've torn down that barrier that existed between us, and that you offer us life after this with you forever. You are an amazing God. Thank you. Thank you.